slash and cast. Welcome to the Monsters Madness and Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Justin, here with a quick word before we dive in. Now, in this episode, I chat with actor and radio personality Scott Ennis about breaking into broadcasting, Scooby Doo, Shaggy, Hanna Barbera, classic cartoons, funny voices, psychic phenomena, and more. Also, I'd like to thank all you listeners out there, and if you're interested in helping support our efforts here, a review on your podcasting platform of choice goes a long way to help. In fact, if you take the time out of your day to leave us a review, send me a screenshot of it via any of our social media platforms, which you can find by searching Monsters, Madness, and Magic, or you can use the links in the episode description. So send me those screenshots, and I'll give you a shout-out on the next episode. That screenshot can also be used to get you a discount on future merch, so make sure to send them. Anyway, without further ado, here's Scooby-Doo. Scoob, we're going to be late for our interview with Monsters Madness and Magic, man. Oh, Monsters Magic and Rowdy. Eh, never mind, Scoob. Come on, buddy. Uh, would you do it for a Scooby snack? Yeah. Scooby Dooby Doo. from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. Just to get started here, so we have a platform to jump off of, Scott, why don't you take us back yep. in time? You're a youngster. You know, are you a book reader, fort builder, troublemaker, oh God, or all no. the above? No, I didn't do any of that, man. I was I was terrible at school, you know? I was bad. I mean, I'm not like a bad kid. I was I was just bad at school. Math, spelling, you name it. Now, I as I was growing up, you know, I went to the school in Missouri, moved around a lot to different schools as a young kid. I, you know, I did two years in kindergarten, two years in the seventh grade. I mean, yes, that gives you an idea. But yeah, you know, I was, I wasn't really a book reader. I was more of the, uh, and I do remember the Jack and Jill. Remember those, the books, <laughs> but I, I really didn't get into all that. Now I tell you, I did get into certain books. Like if it was Christmas time and grandma sat down to read Twas the night before Christmas, I was all enthralled in that. You right, know what I mean? Right. But not a book reader. And, and today I'm still not, even though I have a book that I've done and I'm more of a national inquirer reader. I want to see what, cause inquiring minds want to know. You know? Yes, they do. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, more like into watching cartoons. I was really enthralled about who did the voices. I was, and I, you know, even at a young age, I knew that there wasn't cartoons weren't real. I knew somebody had to be bringing the voice to life, and I was more like, who is that? 
who is that? And from a young age, I started mimicking like Scooby and Shaggy, you know, that's how I perfected that. You know, I just kept doing it, doing it, doing it. And then all those years later, when I got into radio, Casey Kasem, you know, I was like, you mean Casey Kasem does the voice of Shaggy? I didn't know that. So I started putting two to two together. And as I was in radio at a young age, you know, I'd be running American Top 40 on Sunday afternoons. Oh, Lister writes, dear Casey, moving up five notches this week in our survey. And I was like, you know, then like you kick it up a little higher there, Shaggy. Wow. <laughs> Crazy, right? <laughs> I remember making the realization yeah. when I was young that Casey Kasem was the voice of Shaggy and my mind was blown. I could not hear it anymore after that day. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how it went. And then, you know, Don Messick was a dear friend of mine from the radio days. I had been interviewing him for years on the radio. Because, again, I, I used to do interviews on my shows back in the day. And, and one of my first radio interviews was with Don Messick and Dawes Butler and Mel Blank and all of them. And so he kind of worked with me and perfected the Scooby-Doo voice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and then that's kind of how I got into doing that, you know, and I've always just been, you know, watching people enthralled with impersonators and stuff like that. I mean, like even today, the guy asked me, do I even today work on perfecting voices and stuff? I said, yeah. I said, today I was driving down the road, true story, and I was singing, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And I went, man, that sounds like Dean Martin. It's beginning to look a lot like christmas hi everybody this here is dean martin i'd just like to say on behalf of all of us in the rat pack have yourself a merry christmas and get yourself a toddy let's get wasted you know, um, so i, I that's kind of how i i learned to do stuff you know i'll hear something and i'll go wow that sounds like like one day i uh i used to love to listen to rush limbaugh and i'd drive down the road listening to rush and greetings conversationalists all across the fruited plains this is rush limbaugh on the EIB Radio Network, talent alone from God. Uh, the fact of the matter is, I was talking to uh, Trump the other day, and I, uh, you know, and so I just, I hear the dialect and I just pick it up. And so you, it's funny how you can go from, you know, doing uh, a voice like Rush, and then like, yeah, this here's Barney Five, you know, <laughs> yeah, just nip it, nip it, nip it. To answer your question, no, I'm not a book reader. No. <laughs> I got you. I got. I, I got that much. I get off on a tangent, you know. I just start going. Hey, you're fine, man. What about your parents? Are they involved in the business at all? I lived with my grandmother, my mom, and my uh, stepdad at the time were a train wreck. My mother passed away. God rest her soul. Uh, at a very young age, 68, she was an addict, and something that I uh, I go back home to Missouri. I I'm on my ninth annual Scott Innes Songs and Stories Gala, where I go up back home and I raise money. I bring in a bunch of country stars that sit on stools and tell their stories and sing their songs, and we sell VIP tables. And we have an auction. We raise a lot of money for Recycling Grace Women's Center, which is a, a home trying to help women who want to be addiction free. Hmm. We've built three homes so far, and uh, it's pretty cool. And so my mom was a train wreck and uh, wonderful soul, wonderful writer, lousy mother. But it is what it is, right? Oh, and yeah. uh, But I lived with my grandparents, and that's where – and then my father, Cowboy Ralph, still around in Missouri. And he taught me uh, uh, the rights and wrongs, and Grandma and Grandpa raised me up in a Baptist church, my dad in a Catholic church. And so I've got a little bit of uh, Heinz 57 in just about everything <laughs> I do in my life. I used to sing to cars outside grandma's house as, as Elvis karaoke style before karaoke was karaoke yeah and so yeah my grandparents were were the ones that really 
raised me, I, I think, to be the person that I am. Now, how far along before you took an interest in radio? Does that Was that always your goal to drop into radio or did it just happen that Age way? Age 13. I've always been an entertainer in my class growing up as the class clown. And so at a very young age, I started making fake radio stations in my house, playing cassette to cassette and playing it on the speaker. And then I got offered a job at an arcade and I had my own fake radio station, Scott Innes at B-O-W-L. Cotton Mouth at Cotton City. It was called the Cotton Bowl. So I just, and after doing that, guy from a skating rink came in one time and he said, man, you should come work for us. And I, he goes, do you know how to skate? And I'm like, oh, man, who doesn't know how to skate? Yeah, I didn't know how to skate. <laughs> but I got out there for a couple of weeks and learned that and was doing pretty good. And then the radio station, uh, Skip Spence, Skipper T, came in. He was working for KLID Radio and AM 1001 AM in Popper Bluff, Missouri. And he asked me, he said, he said, man, you should come up and maybe sit in on my show on Sundays. I'm bored. Just all get out and maybe I can teach you some of the ropes. I said, that's great. So I started hanging around KLID on Sundays. And then before I knew it, he was like, hey, I want to run to the house. You want to run the board while I'm gone? I'm like, sure. So I started running American Top 40. And I'll never forget, I, I learned to do Casey Kasem's voice so much because I was running that program for him about every Sunday. And he told me one time, just being funny, he said, don't do the weather. Don't go live on air. I mean, unless you can sound like Casey Kasem, you know, I don't need you on the air. Don't do that. Well, I thought I, I looked at that as an invitation. <laughs> so when, when, you know, he's driving home and he hears, you know, do, 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 do. And over the, the bed of that, I'd go, you're listening to Poplar Bluff's favorite radio station, AM 1340 KLID. I'm Casey Kasem. Now on with the countdown. American top four. Yeah. He, he did a quick U-turn and came back. <laughs> But yeah, that's kind of my deal there. You know, it's uh, I've always had entertainment in my blood. You know, I was in the high school. I was the, the big singer in school. I, was, I wasn't I was shy. I always look anywhere there was a place that I could plaster me. I was always trying to do because I was a nerd, man. I wasn't good looking. You know, I was the chubby kid in the husky jeans. So I wanted to be somebody, you know, and being mm -hmm. a, a radio personality was just, of course, back then they called them disc jockeys. Now we've raised the bar just a little bit. <laughs> We're actually called radio personalities. But yeah, that's kind of how, uh, yes, I've, I've been doing this, man, ever since I was a kid. I was 13 years old hosting an evening show from 7 to midnight full time. Now, wow. that's not, and I suck. It was pretty <laughs> funny. Uh, the only listeners I had was like, it's 1,001 a.m. You know, at night, we went to 250 watts when the sun went down. You couldn't pick us up at the Shell station around the corner. You know, I had my mom. I'd call my mom. Mom, mom, are you listening? Are you listening? Well, I mean, it's a little staticky, but I, I, I am listening to <laughs> Did you ever think about dipping your toe in the theater at all back then? Not back then. I did do a few plays. I was Joseph in my uh, Mary and Joseph in a Christmas play. But I think, you know, they started me on the wrong foot because, you know, you my first jump into theater acting was to play Joseph. And next to a girl who I was very shy of, cute little girl who played Mary. And then I'm in church and everybody's in there and it's packed. So I just, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, scared, I guess, you know. So, yeah. but that's where I got my feet. So I never really, never was a theater type. They always wanted me to get into that in high school and stuff. And, you know, I wanted to be at the radio station. I looked at it as I already had my foot in the door. I'm already got my own radio show. I don't need to be in theater. Of course, now, you know, I'm in acting and all that stuff. So yeah, back then, man, I wanted on the radio. I mean, I wanted to be Scott Innes, Little Scotty at KLID, the 11th and Vine show. <laughs> So who are some of your own inspirations, radio personality-wise, growing up? 
Well, you know, uh, Casey Kasem, obviously. Golly, Michael Scott Shannon, Don Pardo, who is the voice, you know, of Saturday Night Live. Live from Saturday Night. Oh, my gosh. There's just so many. I mean, uh, Coyote McLeod from Nashville to Gary Owen. This is the Gary Owen show. You know, there were so many back in the day, but uh, the old radio guys, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, 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 we could talk all day about radio personalities. <laughs> so sticking on the your formative years, when you think of uh, maybe some films and TV shows that come to mind that you remember enjoying back in those days. Well, yeah, I, I grew up on Dukes of Hazard. Good friends with, you know, John Schneider. I go over to his house, uh, him and his lovely wife and my wife, we eat dinner once a month, break bread. Literally, she makes the best bread. I'm trying to get the recipe, but she won't give it. You know, I produced a big Dukes of Hazard family reunion and car show for three years down here in Baton Rouge. You know, had just about every Dukes of Hazard cast member there. We had 20,000 people, and it was huge. And so, you know, I write songs with John. So I was a big Dukes of Hazard fan. I used to like to watch The Incredible Hulk, you know, uh, Love Boat. Let's see, what else did I watch? The Love Boat. And then, of course, you know, Fantasy Island. In fact, uh, here's what I'm doing. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight on ABC, it's The Love Boat. You're gonna love. Watch this. Scott's Radio Show. So, you know, get on board. So my show today is even wrapped around a lot of the uh, the old TV shows. One of my favorite TV shows back in the day. Remember Love American Style? Do I don't. That? I don't know that one. You don't. Well, you don't. Love, 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 love. So yeah, I was into a lot of those. You know, the Andy Griffith Show, uh, the Munsters, and. It's so funny because, you know, the Beverly Hillbillies, I was dear friends with Donna Douglas, you know, Ellie Mae Clampett. She lived here in Baton Rouge, grew up here. Wow. Of course, Tom Lester played Ebb on Green Acres, one of my bestest friends in the whole world, lived in Laurel, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And I would bring these people in. Butch Patrick played Eddie Munster, Al Lewis, Grandpa Munster, all these people, Buddy Ebsen, Uncle Jed. I would bring them in and book them at shows and call them rerun reunions. And people would come out and get autographs and meet them and whatnot. Those were the type of shows, Bonanza, you know, my grandfather, Dragnet, The Wonderful World of Disney, Sunday mm. Nights as a Kid. You know, just, it, it was always, I missed the 70s, a kid in the 70s. I drove a, a, a Huffy bike. My dad got me a Huffy bike, like the um, Evil Knievel. Yeah, I had one and, of those too. Uh, dude, and then, of course, I drove that for a couple of years. And then, of course, that kind of went out near the, the end of the 70s when the Dukes of Hazard was coming in. So I had to repaint it orange, put an 01 on the side, and that's where crap really got bad. Because that's when I was trying to jump ditches and trying to break my neck and everything else, you know. But uh, those are good times. I miss the 70s. I really do. Are you still active in radio today? Do you still? I'm on pause for a time to do your show. I've got the Scott Innes Radio Show. Classic Hits, 103.3. Everything right here. See, listen to this. It goes. <laughs> Everyone, let's go. Oh, listen to cartoons on the Scott in a show. Oh, I feel bad now. I feel like I'm holding up the show. Oh, no, no, we're good. I love radio, man. It's what I do. I'll never get out of it. I'll probably die at the mic, you know. If I'm lucky, radio's tried to fire me 40 times, you know, and I keep coming back. I'm like a cockroach. You step on it, you're like, well, that sucker will never walk again. Wait a minute. What? He's walking. He's going. Radio's been something I've been sort of interested in from the side, yet sort of intimidated by. So what are some aspects that maybe a layman might not uh, consider? But, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of with radio because you just got to be yourself. You just like, like I've noticed you've got just a laid back voice. You pop open the mic. You go, hey, man, what's up? Yeah. yeah, my son followed in my footsteps, Josh Ennis, 
and your listeners should look him up. He's a lot like Howard Stern, but he is so funny, and he's uh, he started off in sports. He loves sports, but he's been in Houston for eight years and uh, Philadelphia. He's now the number one morning radio personality on a rock station in Nashville, and he's syndicated in Memphis and in Detroit. He's kind of a chip off the old block, you know? Runs in the family. And then my son, uh, Josh, or Presley, he's 21. He's the one I wrote the song Handprints on the Wall for that Kenny Rogers recorded. And then I've got uh, Danielle in Missouri, my daughter up there. And then I have a daughter down here in Baton Rouge. So I've got kids that are you know 35 years old, 36, all the way down to 21 now. And then I got grandkids. I got like three or four grandkids. And I listen to me, I have to count them. Let's see, one, two, three, four grandkids, and one's going to be born in December. So You don't look old enough to have a 35-year-old, to be honest with oh, you. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm uh, 56. I just turned 56. I'm trying to go through a metamorphosis. i got to lose some weight. My doctor, i got type 2 diabetes, and uh, so uh, I've got to start you know, watching what I uh, you know, what, what I eat. Life can put pounds on you, you know what I mean? Oh, I know. Well, Scott, let's talk Scooby-Doo. All right. Why don't you just take so- us through how the opportunity presented itself for you? Well, here you go. Well, this is, uh, here's one from Scooby-Doo and the Alien Invaders. Uh, one of those songs I did. I met by chance a girl in bell-bottom pants, and she likes to say, Groovy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she came out of the blue, and in an instant I knew everything would be groovy. Or you can easily go, the like like Scoob. Oh, I was scared, Raggy. I get ready tonight. It's an all-star lineup when Scoob and Shag get hit by the Creeper. Creeper. <laughs> so, again, I've, I've been a, a big Scooby fan all my life. And I, right place, right time. I was uh, doing my radio show in Baton Rouge about 25 years ago. I had done a parody song to the uh, country group Alabama. I had a song called Shaggin' on the Boulevard, and I did a parody called Shaggy on the Boulevard. And a guy told me, kept calling me, telling me I should call Hanna-Barbera and play him that. And I'm thinking, man, I'm playing this song. It's a pretty big hit. The last thing I want to do is borrow trouble and have him sue me. But yeah. the song kind of played out. I did call, talk to Bodie Chandler, head of the music department at Hanna-Barbera. And he goes, man, do they know you do those voices that good out here? And I said, no, no. I'm just first time calling. And he said, well, man, he says, I'm going to have Colette Sunderman call you back. She's the casting director. So long story short, I went through a series of these, I mean, about three weeks of auditions. And beat out in the end a good friend of mine dave coulier uncle jesse from full house uh, the tv show you know bill Hanna actually picked between me and him so i'm kind of honored that bill Hanna picked me he said well that guy's got the voice down to a t and uh and then of course i got the call this was in 97 and i went out and did my first movie scooby-doo on zombie island so that that was fun you know and i'm sitting there with adrian barbeau mark hamill from luke sky you know luke skywalker you know the world famous frank welker freddie we went on from there so you know it's been five movies Movies, six movies, 2,000 talking toys, video games. I just went in Home Depot today. I'd play it for you, but the batteries, I think, are a little bit. It's up. That's a new talking toy they just got in at Home Depot. 
I'm the voice of the Scooby on it. And they got them at Cracker Barrel too. So it's pretty cool to go in a big place like Cracker Barrel or Home Depot and you're like a voice on a talking toy. Pretty cool. You said yourself, you know, you were always a big fan of Scooby and whatnot. Were you intimidated or nervous at all when you finally get the chance to actually do it? Not really, you know. I mean, so other people have asked me that question, and I'm I'm just always on. So I always, I, you know, the world is a stage for me. I'm just happy to oblige. Many times to say, lay a little Scooby on me, you know. Or <laughs> do I, I'm never shy. Now my son, who's 21, he talks a big game, but in the end, he's shy, you know. And I'm like, you can't be that way if you're going to be if you're going to try to get in and do what you want to do. You got to jump out there. I mean, when the coach throws the ball to you, if you're sitting at the bench, when he throws the ball and says, "Get out, and quarterback," you can't be going, uh, uh. Well, I mean, I, no, you either got your crap together or you don't. I mean, you can either call it home or not. Can you help the team win? Yes or no. Can you get us to the Super Bowl? Yes or no. When someone says, in us, I'm like, I'm on it. <laughs> can you get us to the Super Bowl? Yeah. What's kind of funny is I use that analogy a lot when I'm giving motivational speaks. And I've actually, you know, one on my bucket list was to record a commercial that would air in the Super Bowl. And I actually voiced Scooby in that Cars commercial for Walmart a couple of years ago. So that was pretty cool. All the famous cars whipping in to Walmart for uh, the get it and go thing campaign they had. So that was pretty cool. They played that spot and I'm jumping up and down. I could care less the teams that were in there, but I'm going, I'm on a Super Bowl win! <laughs> you know. So was it always just you and Dave for Scooby? Was that you two the only two guys going? No, we, there was a bunch of others that auditioned, but it got down to Dave and I after Don passed away. And so, uh, well, I say that the day, the, the day, literally, they gave me the part. Like two days later, Don passed away. So I said in my heart, you know, I feel that Don was content on who stepped into the pause. Nothing against Dave Coulier because he's phenomenal. You know, cut it out, Uncle Jesse does all <laughs> crazy voices too, and he does a pretty good Scooby too. But uh, I'm just glad that they they picked me and. Um, you know, and they went with me. So it's kind of opened up a million doors for me, you know. Take us through the lasting relationship that you formed with Warner Brothers and Hanna-Barbera. Did that lead to the other voices once they realized? Oh, uh, yeah, because they would call me and go, hey, can you do Elmer Fudd? Can you do Bugs Bunny? <laughs> Eh, what chump dunk? Whoa, be how I'm very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. Uh, I'll say, I'll say, pay, pay attention, boy. I said, you see that house over there that says D-O-G? I said, that spells chicken. Go get them, boy. Yeah, you know, other uh, big famous Hanna-Barbera. I did Fred Flintstone, Barney Rubble, Yogi Bear, and Boo Boo, Yamba Damba Doo, and Barney too. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, heavens to Murgatroyd. This is Snagglepuss. What's going on? You know, well, blow me down. Let's get that. So... Yeah, you know, it's been uh, it's been fun. You know, it's uh, it's it's led to a lot of doors in my life open. You know, I think that the biggest doors that it really because I love to help children. So it really blessed me with an auth authentication to, you know, when a kid says, oh, man, Scott Innes voice of Scooby-Doo called me. You know, that's pretty yeah. cool, especially when you got a child that's, you know, dying of cancer or whatever the case may be. So it's it's very touching. You know, these voices are endeared. They're loved by people worldwide. And there's a lot of power in those voices. Absolutely. Now, as of someone who works with their voice a lot, is it more difficult for you to mimic someone perfectly or to orchestrate a voice from the ground up, sort of from scratch? Oh, yeah, absolutely, too. I mean, it's actually, it's easier for me is to mimic somebody because I just start listening to them, you know, kind of pick up the dialogue. But, you know, I, I do come up with my, uh, like, I've got some characters I've created. I did a children's TV show, and we did live costumes and stuff called Hal and Al, Hollywood Hal and Rhinestone Hal, and they were, Rhinestone Al was kind of like a Porter Wagner Elvis look and kind of talk like, you know, almost like Johnny Bravo. And then Hal, Hollywood Hal was a direct in uh, a wannabe director. And he 
I'm, that's what I'm talking about. You know, so he talked like this. So, you know, I just come up with characters and stuff and, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty easy for me, man. I just start, I just start throwing dialect around. Mm -hmm. People will call me all the time or I'll, I'll even get auditions. Here's the cartoon. Come up with a voice. We're trying to see who has the best voice. I remember when I auditioned for uh, Clifford, the big red dog, I was like in the top three running. I, I forgot what, what voice now I did. It's been so long ago, but John Ritter got the part, you know, from, uh, three's company. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know he did Clifford. And, uh, yep. Did Clifford and, and he just basically did his voice. And they liked it because it was recognizable. So was there a voice that you've ever done in your career that was maybe a little bit too harsh on the vocal cords that you'd rather not do again? Oh, yeah. Captain Caveman and Muttley, the laugh. is That's all just real hard on the voice. Real hard. In fact, a lot of people think Don Messick, who voiced Muttley, did that voice every time, but he didn't. They, they recorded it one time and they just used it over. <laughs> Same thing with Captain Caveman. When he would go, Captain caveman they perfected that down and that's what they would use over and over and over most of the yabba dabba dudes too there were a few unless you know you know alan reed was going like yabba dabba do yeah that was different but if he went yabba dabba do you know that they would just use the recorded one tricks of the trade there you go yep what's the best advice you've received in your career and who gave it to you well, two people. Rick Dees always said, man, one of my favorite radio personalities in Los Angeles. You know, he said, man, keep it real. Be real. Be honest with people and they'll love you back, man. Put other people on the air. Put the janitor on. Put the cleaning lady on. People want to know these backstories. The funny people, they'll end up being stars. Always thank the other people. Don't, don't really thank yourself. Thank everybody else because they will make you a star. And, you know, Casey Kasem gave not only me the best piece of advice every time he closed a show worldwide. You know, he always said, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the star. There we go. Amen. That's my motto. So this is something I like to ask everybody, Scott, because you never know what someone's going to say. Have you ever had an experience that you would consider supernatural or paranormal? Yeah, I'm a very spiritual person. I'm a... I don't tell a lot of people this, and, I, and you're probably the first person I've ever told on audio. But I am somewhat a reader. I'm really good on ages, you know. It'll either come to me or it doesn't. But I always it bothers me when I'm around somebody and I'll I'll see them and I, you know, like a number will just come up and I'll walk up to them and go, "Are you 32?" Yes. Okay, thank you. It drives my wife nuts. I walked in uh, not too long ago to do a Comic Con in uh, Col not Columbia, Missouri, but uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And I walked right in. I was talking to the receptionist that was checking me in. I looked over at the other receptionist. She's kind of sitting there. I had asked the lady checking me in if she had kids and everything because she knew I was Scooby Doo. She goes, Oh, no, no, I just got cats or whatever. And I looked over. These things just started popping into my head. And I looked over at the lady and I said, She's got cats too and dogs. She said, Yep. I said, you also got a son and a daughter. And she goes, yep. I said, son is eight and the daughter's four. Yes. How did you know that? And the, my buddy who was with me said, trust me, just don't ask him. You know, <laughs> talk your head off. And it's just crazy. So I came back down about an hour later to go eat. And she stopped me in the, uh, the lobby and she says, am I going to be at this job for a long time? And I said, oh, I don't know about that. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy, you know, as far as age and stuff like that sometimes other things pop into my head but i have had you know i almost hate to say this but i mean i won't mention any names but i've watched i watched a psychic once because i actually saw a psychic i don't want to get into this because you know some people believe you some don't but start a fire 
just, I mean, blew me away. And still, it's even hard for me to talk about because, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about something that is supernatural. Mm-hmm. You know, I had that happen. And so, you know, I was in Mobile, Alabama, 1989. A world-renowned psychic came to town and I had her on my show. Not mentioning any names, so I won't get into all that, but she had helped find murders and all this stuff with unsolved mysteries. And I kept hassling her to uh, do something, that, you know, move a rock, move something, do something. She got so tired of me doing that. Dude, she turned right around. And this, this bush just went, and dude, I jumped, I mean, it, it freaked me out. I, I was, I was wigged from then on. I've always been a believer. And, you know, I sit and watch the alien shows and my wife's like, you really don't think there's aliens. I said, no, I know there are aliens. Oh, dude, okay? they're we out are there. Not, we, are, we are not the only person <laughs> in this world. I said, I'm probably living with one. Uh, you know, speaking of aliens, yo, Willie, it's me, the old Alfred. Ah, I kill me here, kitty, kitty. But so yeah, I, I, I have, I, I believe in all the paranormal uh, activities, uh, ghosts, all that stuff, spirits. Man, you could, I mean, if you and I were off the air, we could, we could really go into that. Oh yeah, that's that's one of the areas we dive into a bit. Uh, yeah. Your numbers thing that you mentioned, how's that been going on since you were a kid, all the way through yes. to adulthood? Yeah. Yep. Ever since I was a kid, I've had it. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how to control it. It just happens. We got I, I, two weeks ago. I was walking down the mall of Louisiana here, past a woman. My wife, because I was shopping with my wife, she says, "No, no." And she drug my hand. I said, "Please, I just gotta, I gotta ask this one." So I went and I said, "Excuse me, ma'am. I'm Scott Innes from the radio station." She goes, "Oh, hey, how you doing?" I said, "You got three kids and you're 42." Yes, and yes. Okay, it's weird. I know. Thank you so much. She goes, how do you know that? I said, I, it just comes to me and I got to see if I'm right. I, I, you know, if I second guess myself, I'm usually wrong. I can't explain it. I cannot explain it. I don't know how to explain it. I've read about it. Very, very intuitive in my life. I think it has helped me get where, you know, it's helped me get, it's helped get me into trouble and it's helped get me where I am, which is probably in trouble most of the time, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to keep you all uh, evening here, Scott. I do have one last question for you. All right. So is there anything on the horizon for you that you can share without getting into trouble? Probably not. No, I'm working on some stuff. Uh, I, I produce big concerts down here. We got some big announcements coming up. Big country artists we're going to be bringing to town on Memorial Day next year. I'm working on uh, some some movie projects. I got a, a movie right now called, uh, you'll, you'll hear about it next year, late next year. But we're editing it right now. It's called Bad Habit. It's a murder mystery. We filmed all of it in St. Francisville. You know, we're really excited about this movie. It, it's uh, going to come out late next year, maybe the first of the year after. We're, we're still, it's a low micro budget. Budget movie, but we got Laura Duvall uh, did a great filming cinematography on this thing, and we're just uh, we're, we're editing, and so that'll be something people can uh, can look up. Still doing Scooby stuff. Went in the other day and, and voiced a couple of new toys and some commercials, and just you know, I'm just uh, I'm just out there having fun. Radio every day. I'm doing comic cons all over the country, comic book stores, signings, meeting the fans. That's what it's all about, man. Like hitting out in the mystery machine and letting your hair down, right, Scooby? Yeah. Speaking of letting your hair down, man, I tell you what, I'm starved. Yeah, me too. <laughs> send anybody to my website. Send them to uh, onescottshop.com. That's O-N-E, Scott, shop.com. All right, Scott, I appreciate your time, man. Hey, thank you, brother. Appreciate you. You have a good one. See you later, you too, my friend. All right, folks, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Scott. As always, thanks for listening. Remember to send in those reviews. And we'll see you back next time. Monsters, madness, and magic. (laughs) 
Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts.